Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show, where ordinary heroes tell extraordinary stories during unique and never been heard before conversations with your host, Hillary Arno Burns. Hillary's unique listening and way of asking questions results in conversations that aren't usually talked about. So you can create the life that you really want, but are afraid you can't really have. We are demonstrating the greatness in the human spirit and creating a world where we all reclaim our birthright of joy, happiness, purpose, and passion. Now, here's your host, Hilary Arno Burns. Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show. And today we have another unbelievably very special guest. I can't wait for you to meet her. But in the meantime, I have to tell you about my books. Just in case you forgot, Real Talk is for people pleasing, pleasant people like myself who don't speak up. So if you're one of those people, go to realtalkwithhillary.com, get this book. It'll change your life. Um, if you want some good, juicy summer reading, the second piece of French toast is my memoir for when I was married, not very happy, didn't know what to do, and how I returned to my real self. And then if you're someone who gets upset and gets upset because you're upset or frustrated because you're frustrated, this book is for you. It'll have you stop changing yourself and start having way more fun. So those are my books. Today, I'm here to introduce Kaliani. She is a spiritually inspired visionary, modern mystic focalizer, I don't know if I'm saying that right, of Sacred Circles and founder of Stargate Alliance Films and Media. She is also a singer. And I was just watching her YouTube that she sent me. And oh my God, this, we are in for a very, very, very special conversation. And woo, welcome, Kaliani. <laughs> thank you, Hillary. Such a joy to be with you. Yeah, thank you. So I know you, um, I was reading a little bit about you when you were just very young. You already... You already had like the spirit, right? There was something special you were seeking when your mother was praying. You were reaching out to her, even though you couldn't even talk yet, right? So you kind of always had something special. That's, that right. That's right. I feel like my mother instilled in me this, um, you know, is the first contact with something numinous or mysteriously spiritual, which was her teaching my sister to the sign of the cross and. And she always did that. And my sister is three years older, two and a half years older than me. I was a baby. I was probably not speaking yet. Maybe I was two, one and a half. And I remember uh, just one night I was hurt because she was spending special time with my sister. And, you know, when we're very little, we don't have any notion of like, oh, this is just, you know, uh, something you do to grow grow older. You don't know the difference between your age and your sibling mm -hmm. age. So I just cried and I, she came over and I grabbed her hand and I smeared it on my face, like, cause I wanted her to do. So she smiled and of course she started doing it with me, but you know, so that that's my first memory actually at all the first memory I have of conscious memory of myself. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. So then how did you, you know, how did this, how did you know that you had this and it wasn't just normal? I mean, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I took a course, uh, it was uh, disentangling the ego. And that was really the first time I was, I was learning about the soul and the divine and mm -hmm. conscious, you know, I had never been, I mean, I, you know, I'd had some, what I thought was spirituality, but this was new to me. Like, how did you know that there was this other realm or spirit or got, you know, divine guidance? Like, when did you first know, like, I don't know if I'm at. If I'm saying it, this it's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say, but I don't remember not ever knowing. And wow. uh, I grew up in Brazil, and I had uh, relatives who were mediums, transchannelers, and I grew up knowing that actually, I don't remember not knowing that this was a school, a spiritual where souls come. And you know, I had uh, you know a direct connection with spirit in a sense I, I I don't know where it came from but I feel like we all also had come with a little bit of your you know our own dharma our own soul history because my sister grew up in the same environment but my curiosity with what's behind the veil and seeking um, spiritual understanding was like something I pursued all through my teenage years you know and one of the first things I that happened to me that was very powerful was when I was about eight and a half um I remember coming home from school and I went up to my bunk bed and I uh laid down which is unusual I was a very active child very creative very it's full of energy so this day I just came and laid in bed and I was in top bunk and I was looking into the ceiling and um, I just, I just got out of my body and I started floating. I was seeing as if it was nighttime, I was seeing the cosmos, all the stars. And, and I started wondering what was this world about and why are we here? And what was there before this? How was the world a long time ago? So as my body gets to fly out into the cosmos, I was seeing uh, the planet get smaller and certain transformations in the planet, like the planet was really a lot more green, a lot lusher. And then I was flying and there was this revolving question in my mind. Um, what was there before? Show me before, show me before. And my body was getting farther and further away. And I saw the solar system. I saw all these planets and the sun and all of a sudden these planets started to pop i say pop because they started to disappear one by one as the question revolved show me before show me before and i was getting farther and farther away then i started seeing galaxies and you know and these clusters of stars that's today i know it's galaxies i was just in this beautiful universe in the middle of the universe and seeing all of that saying show me before show me before the galaxies started to disappear and um i found myself alone in this void right and this was such a traumatizing experience because by the time i realized i was in this black space with nothing in it 
and I felt really peaceful. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't afraid. And then I thought to myself, well, this must be where God lives, right? This must be where God is. Um, because I was, like I said, I prayed lots of prayers every night before bed. It was like a, a constant, you know? And uh, so my awareness of God was always there. And I thought this must be where God is. And and then in my innocence, you know, because I didn't have a lot of programming and I was really young and my mother didn't believe in necessarily going to church, you know, even though she grew up very connected to the church. Uh, sh she didn't think it was necessary. And um, so I asked, what, what was there before God? Was there anything before God? Can you show it to me? The moment I asked that, my soul or spirit just came rushing fast down back into my body and I landed with a crash <laughs> and my heart was racing and pounding and I was terrified. I set up like when you wake up from a bedroom, mm. you know, and my heart was pounding and I opened my eyes and I didn't know where I was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't remember anything. I was terrified. So I lost complete identity. I I couldn't remember my name, my mother, I lived with my mom and my grandma and my sister, and I, I couldn't remember any of them. I didn't know what anything was, like looking at a door, at a bed, at a window, nothing had name. I didn't know how to, it, I was terrified. You know, people say, later on, you know, I learned that, you know, I think, I think it's Babaji, this Indian guru had a similar experience, and there's other people who have had it, and People describe it as something extraordinary or this or that. For me, you know, it was scary. <laughs> and I, mm -hmm. I don't know how long I was there, terrified, um, maybe half an hour until I, I found my way down, opened the door and ran to the street. And I started to run, run, run. I ran probably a block before I started to and I was trying to grasp onto something because I wanted to remember. I didn't remember, but something didn't feel right. I felt mm. connected. I felt like I was void, like I didn't belong anywhere. There was no sense of connection. My heart was kind of empty, but somehow I knew that that wasn't supposed to be. So yeah. And when I finally remembered, I started to remember things, I, I was so relieved. I, I just, it was like I entered paradise. Mm. And I, I, I repressed this memory because I was so afraid somebody would think I'm completely crazy. I said, yeah. I can't tell this to anybody. If I tell my mother, she, she would take me to the doctor or something. I, I repressed it and it didn't come back to me until my late 30s. And uh, yeah, uh -huh. after I did my USM program, um, I started to remember things I had regressed, you know, wow. the spiritual psychology program, very powerful spiritual psychology program here in Santa Monica. It was my master's and, and that's that's when it came. And that's when I started to have the maturity to actually look at it and and try to understand why did that happen? And what is the relationship between 
show me what was there before God and why did I come rushing into my body and um and I forgot everything and I felt disconnected so this is beautiful because God is consciousness or let's say um I believe in God in a different way where it is um natural laws that govern the universe right and um without that and it's it's powered by love basically so i felt empty of love connection god is what gives us a sense of love and connection that's why when i said what was there before god i was emptied out oh. and this is my interpretation right anybody can interpret however uniquely as they feel should be mm -hmm. but that that to me was the message because i was like why why did that happen why did i come back when i asked that question and so violently and why i was so terrified why did i forget everything so but i i repressed so much i didn't get to go into it until i was much older you know and trying now, to i don't know if i imagine this but i thought Maybe I imagined it, but I thought when I was reading your article that you had said you had been sexually molested around that age. Yes, would, that's true. Would that have tied into any of that? Oh, definitely. It could have, um, because, you know, my mother, after that happened, I was seven the first time, uh, between seven and eight, you know, and eight, eight and a half. So, I actually was so traumatized by the experience more because of a sense of a fall from grace. You know, usually people fall from grace at an older age where they feel like, you know, they've, they are reflecting on their life's choices and the things they regret. And they feel all of a sudden there's a need to repent and come closer to God or because he, they realized they weren't the best people they could be and that's fall from grace I had it at eight and a half because the association of sexual things with sin right my mother would not let us watch tv after a certain time and certain soaps in real or like you know very open and sensual exploring sexual themes um and she would tell us to go and my sister and I would hide behind the door because um you know we're curious why doesn't she want us to to stay in the living room and um so that association that general association of the literally the vilification of sexuality which is you know I feel has been more detrimental than serviceful uh, it has caused so much distortion, you know, the repression of something that's natural. And that's why in my song, Tears for Inanna, um, which was, Inanna was one of the primordial goddesses of ancient Mesopotamia. And she was like Sumeria originally. And by Babylonian times, she was called Ishtar. And she was a priestess of the temple. And there was something called the... the the rich sexuality was sacred. So basically a king had to spend a night with a priestess, you know, and they were very um, gifted uh, with the arts, uh, the healing arts and, and uh, foretelling and all of that. So um, I think I came 
with the directive to heal a little bit of this idea right. of uh, to clean up sex. <laughs> sex is not mm. dirty. Sex is the most sacred act of creation because we come from it. There is so much um, nonsensical information that was given to us, passed down and mostly religiously, right? And uh, so if I hadn't gone through that, so that's the blessing, I would not have felt the passion and the impetus to heal this because my suffering was more not because of what happened to me, because funny enough, um, I wasn't violently raped. Uh, I was molested and it was painful and it was abusive uh, emotionally more than anything. But my greatest pain was to feel that God would never accept me. And I, as a child, I felt stained and unholy. And it has wow. to do with this association of a detrimental construct that we've been given that right. sex is wrong. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's very right. And it creates us. We come from that. There's no denying. It's, it's creation and its highest form in this 3D reality. So we wow. have to come from a place like that and by coming from a place like that will become more healed because there's a lot of sexual distortion out there but if we understood sex for what it is you know love making would be treated in a better way and yeah. sacralized in a way you know yeah wow mm-hmm that yeah, interesting. Now, when you said uh, before, Earth is a school. I mean, I've heard that again since I've learned about the soul and all that stuff. But how did you know that? Like, how would you instinctively know? You know, I only know it because people have said it, and it sounds like it makes sense. Not everybody believes in soul. You know, not everybody does, but it it sort of resonated with me. Like when I was working with that woman and she said our um our birthright is joy um you know like what you were saying that's that's where we belong not in this other the ego you know whatever stuff like that but how did you know that the earth is a school like how would you just know that <laughs> i I don't remember not knowing, but it could be because of all that I was surrounded with. For example, Cardicism is a spiritist, you know, philosophy, practice, spirituality in Brazil that's really big. And um, I put my hands in those books early on. I could have found something there. Um, okay, so you were... Yeah, you were surrounded by, like you said, your uncle was mediums and stuff. So it must have been in Brazil, mm -hmm. there was more of that. I just don't, yeah. And um, I, at 13, I read the whole collection of Khalil Gibran. My mother was really into Khalil Gibran. I don't know if you know, The Prophets is one of his, it's the second most sold book other than the Bible. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
and it I read that at 13 and I fell in love with it so all these mystic writings felt really soothing to me and familiar mm. and um I, I you know I sucked them up yeah and, okay so that yeah okay wow mm -hmm. so interesting so then all right so so then you kind of grew up and you came I know you went to college for psychology right That's were right. you were you still with this mystical side or had you kind of put it you know to rest for a while or were you still like do like you know because psychology is not that how did those fit in I would ask yeah I um I was actually through my teen years I put my hands into everything occult uh kabbalistic numerology astrology tarot and I became part of a book club uh, when I was 15 my mother said what do you want and I said I want you to join me to this book club because I wanted to have access to more spiritual knowledge and um so I read Barbara and Brennan's book it was translated into Portuguese back in the 80s and um she has a university in Miami in Florida somewhere I don't know if it's Miami but she teaches uh clairvoyance and healing hands-on healing so this book was fascinating I don't know if you've come across uh, hands of light but it's all about the auric field the energetic coils the form and how you can heal people with your hands and I had that uh, memory uh, ancient or I don't know other lives and that's why I got the book because I had a resonance with that so mm. I started using uh, my hands to heal people um, that came to my house you know, randomly or my family members, um, you know, I mostly headaches or migraines and I was very successful. Every single person I touched with a headache would say, how did you do that? And uh, I think it has very much to do with the belief that I could, you know, so, and I, I had, you know, this natural desire to help people. So I was doing that and then I started wanting, you know, there was a sense of that I wanted to find the unifying core of philosophical thinking and spiritual. I felt like there was so much confusion in the world and there were too many religions and too many thoughts and, you know, people, you know, just, I just felt like the, there has to be one thing and I was adamant I would find it the consolidating core belief system where we don't have to be different we just this is this is where it flowers from right mm -hmm. so I I checked every I went to Baptist church I went to Rosicrucian right. society um, I started taking yoga and the yoga teacher was um, a, a, a Rosicrucian Amork priest you know and he had huge libraries of books and he had shelves numbered and he would call me little angel and he would say, I, I would want to take the book from the third shelf and he said you can't you have to read only from the first shelf first and then you can read the second shelf and this was like a studio he had in the backyard of his home that he taught yoga at it wasn't like and and then the, there was another sect of Rosicrucian society and I visited them a few times but I never really wanted to 
you know, associate myself with any institution, I was nibbling and, and there was always a sense of like, just, just experience it, but don't, don't become join part. Don't join it. Yeah. Don't join it. Yeah. And then there was, you know, Cardis's centers with mediums, trans-channeling and talking about entity attachments and how to clean it. And I mean, I watched all of that growing up and I was fascinated. And then um, my, um, also the re Christian rationalism, which is really beautiful. They have a very universal non-dogmatic language. I was fascinated with them. My first boyfriend, he was, uh, his family belonged to it. So I got to nibble on that too and read some books. Um, and of course the work of Alain Kardec is extraordinary. Um, I recommend highly to everyone. There was, um, you know, he just recently passed away, but he psychographed in Brazil called psychography when you do automatic writing more than 400 books and donated all of them. They all go to charity. He lived a very simple life. His name is Chico Xavier. And uh, um, it was extraordinary. There's a movie that Universal actually released called the... Uh, Astro City, and it's about um, the astral realm. You know, some souls have to go into the astral realm before they can go beyond that. But the knowledge, the arsenal of knowledge, or mm. container, the huge vault of knowledge that in those books, extraordinary. And there's some American authors that have done similar work. But Alain Kardec was a doctor, a French doctor, and Cardinal. Mm. Is it was it played a major part of my understanding of spirituality and also the African inheritance that we have in Brazil with all the Yoruba tradition of also um, mediums, you know, and it's very complex, but it's really beautiful. And I saw a lot of that too. So wow. to me, the the world beyond our five senses was very real. And when you and when you were seeking like the one like umbrella, did you ever find it? <laughs> no. no, no, no. Um, I actually um, um, yeah, I didn't. I got very confused around. 21, 22, I think I met some people, you know, and. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, you can meet people that are mystics and they can uh, have knowledge, but they're not necessarily embodiments of, mm. of kindness or they don't right. have integral life. And those things for my age were kind of, um, you know, created pain and confusion and shortly after that, I was in college at this time on my second year of psychology at the Federal University of Rio. And I, I had lost my, um, my um, period so that I could like the, you know, the six month period, so I could start working and help my mother a little bit. And uh, I got a job and, um, and this process, I ended up meeting my uh, future husband. And that's when I came to the US and 
it was very grounding. I needed it. <laughs> it was, yeah. To come to the U.S., you needed that? I needed grounding because I, uh, I was not very grounded. I didn't do a lot of the stuff that young people did, you know, teenagers. I didn't like the company of teenagers very much. And then as a young woman, I did a little bit more of that. I experimented, you know, going to clubs and discos and things for a short period of time of one and a half years or so before I met my ex-husband. And he's no longer with us. He actually uh, no longer oh. lives. Um, but the father of my kids and um, oh. married 16 years. And and um, because of, he, he, was ha he was half Jewish, half Christian, and uh, he didn't believe, he thought religion was the worst thing <laughs> that could have happened and killed more people than any war, he says. And um, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I kind of, because I saw him cry a few times, you know, talking about, his father's side of the family, everybody. Um, he escaped Kristallnacht. After Kristallnacht, his father left and went to Brazil. He got on a ship and it took him like several months to get there because no port was accepting anybody, but Brazil was. So he stayed on it and his brother left in China. And it's, it's so sad, the story. And all his other brothers got killed and his oh. wives and, and children in concentration camps. So he talked about how his father would get these letters when he was just four years old, between four and six. And another member of the family was found that they were dead in Auschwitz or somewhere. So out of compassion for him, I, I moved a little bit away. I put my books away. I didn't, and he, he had so much love for life. He was very much here. He was a very successful businessman. And he, you know, he loved going out and dancing and, you know, and, you know, we went to Europe for our honeymoon. And then shortly after coming back, I got pregnant. And um, my life changed very much from like living in this realm of just not really here to, he taught me how to love life and be present in the material world. He, you know, he was very much like that. And it was it was it was good I needed that and uh yeah and I became a mom and that was my focus for quite a few years and then when my marriage Wait, I, I have one little yeah. question the father was four I'm assuming he came with his parents he didn't come by himself at four to Brazil right he came by himself at 19 yeah what 19 so he wasn't four okay when he was four in Brazil, his father was receiving the letters, you know, and then they finally found the uncle and the uncle arrived catatonic on a stretcher. And he was so excited. Oh, my God, I'm finally going to meet one of my relatives from Germany. He's a little boy and he's oh. on a stretcher out of a plane. And that was oh. Uncle Herbert. And he was an, ex an extraordinary pianist. And uh, eventually he recovered and he had a full life in the south of Brazil. Oh. But so he had a lot of traumatic experiences about, you know, that. Yeah. That. Sorry. Okay. Where were you going? So you were, oh, I shouldn't have interrupted you. Anyway, you learned to be present in the material world. You were a mother. Mm -hmm. And then, and then 
then how did you return to all this? It was at the, yeah, at the end of my, the crisis, you know, uh, at the end of my, my marriage, um, I, you know, I, I was trying to save it and I could feel that it wasn't going anywhere. And then there was this devastating event. I don't like going there out of respect for his soul and, you know, it is what it is. You know, when he passed away, he was in my arms and I ushered him into the other side, you know, saying, you know, there's, there's no death. You're just going on a trip. He traveled a lot. He was very successful. He was always on a plane going somewhere. I said, you're just going on a long trip and we'll all be together again. Just because he was, he was panicking because his time had come. He was gripping my hands and, I, I assured him and I, I felt so good to be there for him. We were friends. It took a while for us to heal this relationship after the divorce. It took about three to five years, but we became good friends and for the children, you know, mm-hmm. and for the sake of, you know, understanding that, you know, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the dissolution of my marriage, I felt this urge to go back to intense prayer, but I didn't want to do the prayers that I knew, the four or five ones that my mother taught me. I wanted a specific one that I had heard only a few times, and I didn't know how to say because it, it was very long. And I called home and I said, Mom, please give me Caritas prayer. And she started dictating to me and I took it down. It was like three pages long or two and a half pages handwritten. It's called Caritas. And actually, I didn't know where that prayer came from. And so I researched and and, uh, yeah, you can Google. It's a beautiful prayer. And I, I, I was guided to say it every night after I took my feet off the ground. And before I put my feet on the ground again every morning. And I did that for several weeks. I did not know how long it took me. And that's when I started. Um, I was still living with him, but things were really, really terrible. And uh, I started having dreams and visions of this goddess, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because they say this was a prayer to Lord Jesus Christ, you know. And it's still very much the Christian dogma language. But um, I say I prayed for the Lord and the lady came because I was surrounded by these, you know, I had so many, I had dreams, visions. She would appear beyond the glass, the etched glass windows at the sunroom. We had a sunroom. And in dreams and and I didn't know who she was like a geisha you know lady and um and eventually um I was fascinated with a certain type of jewelry that somebody was making and selling there was only one person that sold it and I got this pendant okay this is I wore it because sometimes I wear I don't wear very often uh-huh. and it's, um a coinian uh etched in the back so this wow that was appearing to me was the goddess of compassion i don't know if you heard of her she's very known all throughout asia thailand 
you know, Japan, China, in Japan, she's known as Kanon, and there's massive statues of her, like, you know, wow. in Rio, you know, that big giant statue. The one you were seeing outside the window? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in a dream, once she came and she had laser eyes and she was standing in front of me and I had like blackbirds over my head flying and um, with her laser, she had laser eyes and her head turned 360 degrees and she was zapping all these blackbirds flying. They would disappear into dust. And uh, I mean, I had so many strange things happen to me, like if I went out in the moon or even through the, in a full moon, I could feel warmth and my hair would raise. It's, it was very different than anything I've ever felt. I could not go under the moonlight without feeling like it was the sun. And it was also, my hair would raise. It was, I had all these strange sensations and I couldn't eat, I stopped eating. I didn't eat for several months, you know. I wow. I looked at food and food looked like plastic to me. I just I I couldn't understand how people could eat. And I would try and I put food in my mouth, even the stuff that I love the most. I always loved eggs, fried eggs. And I, I tried to I I would chew it, chew it and spit it out. And this went on for a long time. So I thought to myself, I am going to get really ill and I won't be able to take care of my kids. So I have to do something. So I went to the market. It was no advertising attended, Whole Foods. And I was looking at all this stuff. This is back in 2003. And I was wow. guided to pick up this bottle and it was called Greens Plus. It had three metals on it. This was when people didn't even hear of greens powders. Right. Now it's fad, right? And I had that twice a day with apple juice. I would put apple juice and put like three heaping tablespoons of greens powder. And that's the only thing I could swallow. And of course, needless to say, I lost tons of weight. I was like um, skin and bones, but I feel some spiritualists say her presence was so strong around me that I could not, I, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do things that, because the vibration was too intense. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. All right. So I hate to interrupt this. We're um we want to take that commercial break and then um and then a couple of minutes later we'll play your first video. So we're gonna have to do all this fast, but <laughs> there's so much I wanna know. Yeah. All right. So let's go to that and then when we come back, we'll Has social-emotional learning become just one more thing on your teacher's plates? Do teachers and students both find it boring and ineffective? Then bring Kikori to your school. Kikori transforms classrooms through experiential SEL activities that help students play, reflect, connect, and grow. Even better, students say it's more fun than recess. Schedule a no-obligation conversation at kikoriapp.com slash bringkikori. K-I-K-O-R-I. Do you ever feel like you can't say what you really want to say? Or that you're stuck or in a holding pattern in your relationships, career, 
personal life or finances? Are there things you want in life that you've given up on? Are you resigned that this is as good as it's going to get? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Hillary Burns, host of the Getting Real with Hillary show, has the solution you need. Hillary is a published author of three books and has a program called The Getting Real Process. This process frees you from what is holding you back, allowing you to create a life you love. Don't believe it? It is hard to believe that it could work, isn't it? The proof is that hundreds of Hillary's clients have used the Getting Real process and are now free to create whatever they want in relationships, career, finances, enjoying life, or just loving themselves more. So go to realtalkwithhillary.com and order Hillary's book, Real Talk, and set up a conversation. So thank you to our sponsor, KokoriApp.com, and also the Real Talk with Hillary book. But I don't want to take more time. I want to get back to, so what happened next? <laughs> so there you were, not being able to eat, feeling that vibration. Mm -hmm. What happened next? Yeah, and I um, I started taking acupuncture um, uh, twice a week to help calm my body and I had developed a little bit of ABS you know I couldn't digest food and in this beautiful center there was a bunch of shelves with books and every time I had to wait to go in I would start reading and I got to get to read Huaxing uh, Ni which is a, a master Taoist who is actually the father of these two pioneer um, acupuncturists uh, they were actually the youngest acupuncturists ever to receive license in California when they were only 19 because their father was a master. And actually, um, he's, he's the master who, one of the masters who taught, um, not Technohun, but um, the, the, the name will come to me. Um, so I became really interested in Taoism. It's a beautiful philosophy. And I feel like if somebody asks me deep in my heart, what is, if I had to pick a philosophy that I belong to, I would say it's Taoism. Um, but, you know, I, I continue to, um, you know, journey through the process of, you know, um, the divorce after I separated, I decided to pursue my education further. I had a BA in psychology from UCLA, which I transferred from Rio when I came. And then I went to USM for a spiritual psychology program. And one of the beautiful things on the introduction night, when I first went to understand what it was about, um, you know, the teacher said, uh, Ron said that the earth is a school. And I and I knew that, you know, this is, this is the place I wanted to continue. Wow. Yeah. And I remember when I was trying to um, uh, choose my, my academic goal career, like when I um, entered college, I told my mother, I, I don't think what I want to do has been created because I was fascinated with, you know, with metaphysics and, um, 
I, I wanted to do parapsychology, but that wasn't available in Brazil, not in Rio, for sure. And so when I entered USM, I felt like this is a little bit closer to what I've, I've always wanted to do, which is, it's psychology from a soul perspective. So it's, um, you know, if you can't understand that you are not just this physical body, then you cannot take USM, basically. It's um, so... Mm so growth and yeah and the principles and practices of spiritual psychology are deeply inherently connected to the process of soul growth learning forgiving understanding reframing your reality um so all of that added to um to what was happening and and from that i got downloads to you know create um after the the Coinian experience, I got, you know, involved after I graduated USM, I did a, a, a 13 Moon Mystery School program with Ariel Spilsbury's teachings, you know, and, um, and I did two years of that, um, not consecutive, but I became a, a facilitator of sacred circles. And uh, it's a very unique program that brings not only her downloads, but it's, um, it's the 13 archetypes of the divine feminine. And if you worked with archetypes, you know, they're containers for qualities, right? So she created this beautiful, I've never found anything that I, I felt so, you know, driven to pursue and do. And mm. add. so then I started having um, circles that created a sisterhood of, uh, the rising phoenix and uh we i i you know i blended that with a lot of my love for celtic cosmology as well which is very connected to native native american cosmologies oh. you know it's about understanding nature understanding the cycles of nature and how they reflect our cycles of our life how spring is birth and childhood and then you know, in summer as the middle of our lives. And then the fall is our later years, you know, winter is, you know, death and rebirth and, and how, you know, understanding how nature has everything. And we felt so just, you know, it's this, this modern world where all is indoors, we're all is even now with technology. And I, I just, you know, fell in love. I read a few books and um, felt really connected to them. So I blended that with my facilitation um, and I still do that, you know? I take, I've taken a little break due to the production of the video and uh, the new song, but... Um... Wow, that's so cool. I just feel like this... this energy, you know, like, I don't want to want you to keep talking, you know, because I feel the right. Something. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's not earthly. Yeah. I feel, wow. So how, so I know we're going to play, I know we're, we're running out of time. It's I'm like, keep talking, but I wanted, so how did this song like real quickly, how did this song came about? We're going to see like a minute or two of it, of this one earth, right? And then we can tell people where to go to find your other ones. The one I was watching before here, you know, we can put all that in the notes and stuff, but 
how did you, you know, you're doing this facilitation and then all of a sudden you're doing music videos. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> that that was a beautiful journey. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I was, um, my life had, and my spirituality had transformed into this, um, you know, um, love for the divine mother, basically, because mm. I feel like half of my life I prayed to a divine masculine because that is in most of our cultural um, inheritance from multiculturally speaking, you know, we have um, mostly a divine masculine imprint, right? And I, because I had this, you know, direct experience with the sacred feminine, and this passion burned to give her a voice. And um, I was at the time doing a lot of research to create a documentary because Stargate Alliance is a production company that I founded in 2009 or around there. Um, and um, I've done a few, I did a documentary and a feature film that I co-executive produced. And uh, I wanted to create a documentary about the sacred feminine. And I knew that when I did Secrets of Love with Bill, I, the licensing of music was really, really difficult and expensive, but music is the soul of any film. And I thought, you know, I want this to have very special soulful music. And I remember my children were with my ex for two weeks traveling. And I was alone and I went into this meditation process. I also had done Korea at SRF. Uh, that's another thing. Right after the divorce, I moved to Malibu from Beverly Hills and I was attending classes for a year at Self-Realization Fellowship with Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings, right? I don't know if you are familiar. Uh, his book is extraordinary. When I read it, I said, I have to... And I lived in the Palisades for five years before that. And I always saw the temple there. It was um, Lake Shrine and it's beautiful, like beyond. Gandhi's ashes, part of his ashes are there and there's swans yeah. on the lake. It's just extraordinary. And I started actually attending uh, and, and learning. So I was really deep into meditation on my second year of USM as well. I did it every day, twice a day. And it was just, um, so I went into this process and I said, um, you know, please help me spirit. How do I do this? How can I honor this desire to create this documentary appropriately? And how do I resolve this song? And you know, the, the meditation uh, that I did all is telling me that I was gonna create the song. And I said, no, can't be, I don't sing, I don't play instruments. I mean, I play a little bit of Native American flute, a little bit of uh, hand drum, you know, or frame drumming. But I didn't even at that time, I, I just played the flute at the time. And I was like, I just can't, this is, but all the time I went into meditation is it's gonna be you, it's gonna be you. And I thought that, you know what, let me just, this is crazy, but I'm gonna give it a, a thought. So I thought, I started just drawing down like ideas and names and, what the songs would be like, what instruments would be in it. And soon after I met my composer and it was one thing after another, it's hard to explain how when you are willing to get your head out of the way. Well, I wasn't trained, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. 
and spirit is just like just do it just do it and it's like you figure it out later and the universe just rolled out the carpet everybody who i needed appeared it was just like amazing and uh so I, I sat with him and said, are you okay to compose with me? Because I have an idea of what I want. And he said, yeah, sure. He was very confident. Uh, and I oh just- God, It's 153. All right. I know. It's a lot to oh cover. Oh my God. And right. that's how the music vacation came through. And it was extraordinary. And, and I sang to it. We recorded and then I made a music video. And then, then there was Tears for Nana. And yeah. Oh my and, God. All right. And so- all right, so let's close it up and then we'll play a minute and then and then we'll tell people where to find you and stuff like that. What would you like to say in closing? This has been so fascinating. I, I have goosebumps and I would love to know so much more, but, but unfortunately we're out of time. So what would you like to say? What would you like to leave people with? I like to say don't, don't ever allow the program or whatever people think to stop you from pursuing your passion no matter how old you are just believe in it embrace it and say yes to it and let the universe co-create with you because if I didn't do that none of this would have happened if I was afraid or if I believed I was not meant to sing or I'm too old to start because I started in my mid-40s so just let it um. Let every every concept about what it it is like or what people expect to go and create anew. Wow! All right, and you can find Pagliani. Well, we'll we'll put that in the notes because I want to be able to play a little bit of the song at least. So thank you so much. This has been incredible. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. Pleasure. And the recognition. Man.
It's so beautiful. I'm so glad you did that. Wow. That's you know? a different one from all the other ones, but it was fun. It's a, it's a what one? This is unique. It's different because I sing in English and it's um, my first release where I actually speak. Um, I speak in a comprehensible language, let's say, you know. Wow. Yeah. Well, we so we have to check out her other ones. Kalyani.com, right? Yes. K-A-L-I-Y-A-N-I.com. Mm -hmm. You can see all of her stuff. It's incredible. Um, it's mind blowing. So yeah, check her out. Anything else you want to say? This has been so amazing. I say thank you so much. It was so lovely to be with you. Yeah. Thank you.